0: And now comes to my favourite part of the podcast, The Cuts. <laughs> so, welcome to All 4 Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's here. It's finally here. Week one is upon us. So, hey, we got Connor. We got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. So guys, how are we getting on? How's all down in Cork?
1: Uh, Yeah, not too bad. I I suppose the big news is that I finally have a working microphone so all my clever one-liners won't be lost in the mix anymore.
2: Yes, that was Um, the reason they were (laughs) 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 deleted.
0: And now comes to my favourite part of the podcast, the cuts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of an Indian summer down here. It seems it's okay up in Dublin as well. I'm I'm up in Donegal at the moment. It is
0: absolutely scalding hot.
2: Last of the summer, yeah. but football season's here, so that means summer's over and it's time to get ready to snuggle in with uh, some large men hitting each other, entertaining. Yeah, very...
0: Very excited. I suppose we should fly into it because we're going to do our game previews and stuff, but we're also going to do our, our, our pre-season awards, our, our guesses of who's going to do well and badly and win awards and stuff, which we always do fantastically well on and don't kind of miss it half the time. We'll start off on the news controversy corner up first. Jacksonville head coach Urban Meyer has said that COVID-19 vaccination status was taken into consideration during cuts of players. The NFL Players Association are investigating this as the team is trying to back away from the marks and say it didn't kind of factor into it hugely slash didn't factor into it at all. To be honest, like when you look at the restrictions, you got to imagine that it will play into it. It won't impact your, you know, your top 10, top 20 players on a roster. But if you're fighting for spot 47 and you haven't gotten vaccinated and the other person has, they always say the best ability is availability. And if you're vaccinated, you can be back with the team uh, within 48 hours. If you are unvaccinated, it's, I think, 10 day window or seven day window. So, I think it has to play into it. Like Urban Meyer might be the only one to say it, but I reckon that it's played into decisions on the bottom half of rosters around the league.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's no different really than a player being injury-prone or been injury-prone, but also possibly spreading his injury to fellow players. Legitimate, I think they should all be vaccinated, and the ones who aren't are a danger to themselves and to their fellow players, and they're liable to cause outbreaks, and I mean, yeah, I absolutely support 100%, and I don't, I mean, I can understand why it's controversial, especially given America is COVID controversy corner, but I think it's completely legitimate because these players are less valuable to the team because of the possibility that they will miss games as a result of their status. Exactly, because
2: objectively, if you have COVID-19, you have to take out a minimum of 10 days under the current protocols if you are not vaccinated. But if you are vaccinated, I believe you can be back within a couple of days, assuming you get a negative PCR test back. So that's a huge difference in terms of your probability of being available. And of course, we could see that the Delta variant is kind of running riot in america partially due to the relatively low uptake of vaccination despite the huge oversupply they've had for nearly three months at this point so yeah like i think a lot of teams probably made this consideration and you know we could talk about some of the cuts that were made the the probably most most notable cut this could have been certainly have been a consideration um in that situation but of course you know bill belichick just to not have any spoilers is a lot smarter than urban meyer where he's used to dealing with you know student athletes and College football and be able to do whatever he wants. Like the NFL is <laughs> professional professional league, and kind of stated some of the issues we've had with Urban Meyer, like in both his past and some of the statements he's made since joining the NFL. And this seems indicative of someone who's not quite at the races in terms of what's at stake. you're dealing with the nfl
0: so obviously there's been a lot of transactions in the run-up to week one uh we'll look at a few of the larger ones so in terms of trades philadelphia have signed gardner Minshew from jacksonville for a conditional fifth round pick good business for philadelphia they needed a backup to jalen hurts Minshew has shown himself to be a capable backup and potentially pushed to starter levels at times i don't understand why jacksonville were splitting first team reps between him and lawrence if the plan was to essentially trade him for nothing but here we are. I like this pickup for, for for Philly.
2: Yeah, like I think with Jalen Hurst, there are major questions about his viability as a starting quarterback in the NFL. We obviously saw that his like accuracy statistics at the end of last season were great, but he also saw some, you know, some things that were incredibly talented. I think bringing Gardner Minshew as one of the better backups in the league makes sense for a case that's so uncertain. And look, this is a team that like we've all said during the offseason previews is probably if not rebuilding this year certainly on the cusp of a rebuild in the near future so I think getting in Gardner Minshew having him he's still a young player and seeing what you can get is a reasonable choice
1: if the Jalen Hurts experiment goes really off the rails. Jalen Hurts I think only gonna start four games I mean we we have this I think image in our heads that he came in second half of the season for the Eagles to pick everything up it was like week 14 or something by the time he was a bona fide starter so I mean, it is, experiment is the word that, that Ronan used, and I think that's what it needs to be, and Minshew is the reliable, I suppose, I mean, he's, he's fine, I guess. He's, 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 he'll be a good kind of average Eagles quarterback, should it come to it, but obviously the Eagles don't want to have to turn to him.
0: Of course, the Rams, given all of their running back woes in the offseason so far, they've traded a 2023 fourth and a 2022 second for running back Sonny Michel from New England. Uh, Michel had... Flashes of playing very well, I believe he had a particularly good playoff run a while back, but hasn't really been able to find a role in that New England offense, and the Rams need someone like him. He doesn't really do everything that they want, but maybe he's a bigger body for goal line work and does have some kind of hands for, 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 for catching passes, change of pace stuff. It's a fairly cheap price for a room that needed some more... Kind of starting quality or at least contributing quality running backs, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the loss of Cam Akers obviously hurts the Rams a, a lot uh, in this department. And Michelle isn't going to change the world. He's not going to be the superstar. I mean, it sounds like they're probably moving then more towards a run by committee approach, in which case, Michelle get, will get his snaps and he will contribute. And he's, you know, he's productive, I guess is the word I would use for him. For the Patriots, he was always someone you could rely on to get an, enough yards in a game, but never have too many explosive games. So I think it's a good pickup, and I suppose it'll uh, depend on where he fits into the overall mix. But the Rams, certainly, their running back plans have been blown up. So, I mean, if this is plan B, I think it's a pretty solid one. And I think the most fun thing
2: about this is that initially, the uh, trade terms was that New England was going to get a hypothetical third-round compensatory pick from the Rams uh, that they don't have yet. (laughs) But the NFL was like, (laughs) Uh, You can't really trade hypothetical picks, okay, like you can't have the option of a on a pick So just an interesting uh, clarification from the NFL as uh you know, the New England Patriots truly are the innovators in shithousery.
0: Vegas have also signed linebacker KJ Wright to a one-year deal and New Orleans have picked up Desmond Trufant to add to their cornerback rotation. There was a couple of extensions of note. I'll just kind of put these all out there and then we can kind of pick which ones we want to talk about. Uh, Baltimore extended Mark Andrews their tight end four years 56 million. Seattle got Jamal Adams four years 70 million 38 million guaranteed. Minnesota extended Harrison Smith four years 64 million 26 million guaranteed. And Carolina extended Robbie Anderson two years and thirty million. I'm sure Fitz, you're going to want to look at this Jamal Adams one. They had to pay the man given what they gave up to get him in the trade. It looks like an expensive contract for a safety, but given that he effectively plays at a linebacker position for the Seahawks, this is a relatively cheap linebacker contract for the uh for the because because he, he doesn't get interceptions but he gets sacks.
2: He's obviously probably expected to be the all-time leader in sacks for a defensive back this year. He obviously kind of occupies a unique role in terms of what he does for defense, in terms of that flexibility to be as effective at the line of scrimmage as he is in coverage, or at least hopefully return to being good in coverage. And yeah, like he's kind of one of those players that obviously divides fans because he is so unique. But he doesn't get interceptions. He can't cover um what you as, as much as you'd expect a safety to. But it, it's a lot of money, and we know he could be quite a loud person. But. If he is happy now, then we'll, we'll take it, I suppose. I suppose, like, the closest comparison is, like, and the best upside is, like, this is worth it if you think he's a Troy Polamalu-type safety. But, mm-hmm. you know, if he's injured a lot or his play drops off and his coverage issues don't sort themselves out, then this might look like an overpay. But yeah, as you mentioned, because of the trade, they kind of were forced into doing this regardless of how he performs.
0: Any of them jump out to you, Sean?
1: I like the Mark Andrews extension. I think he's an important part of that Ravens offense. Kind of underappreciated because it's all tends to be about Lamar, the various things that happen there. But it, for a team that doesn't really have much of a receiving core, Andrews always seemed to be the go-to guy for... Lamar in, in kind of situations where he needed to get a kind of a, a, an easy pass or or get some yards. And he was also capable of some big plays as well. I mean, so I, I think it's it's a good move to extend him. Obviously, the Ravens are coming into a situation where their offense really needs to start firing, given that they were almost practically figured out at the back end of last season. Holding on to what they have is, I guess, as important as adding in other players. So I like it. I like I like him. I think he's top 10, maybe even the top five tight end in the league and certainly gives Ravens options that they otherwise wouldn't have at all and would be in a lot of trouble.
0: The big notable cut that happened was New England decided to move on from quarterback Cam Newton installing the big Mac attack in a quarterback and releasing Newton with time to probably go around the league and try and sort out another position for this year. He hasn't really had a great year-and-a-half play. He didn't have a huge market previously because he went rather cheaply to New England. There's a lot of talk about him going to become the backup in Dallas, which would make a lot of sense to me. What do we think about Cam Newton's next stop?
1: I guess the first thing to say before we talk about where he's going is, for what matters to me is what this means for the Patriots. I mean, I had I'd said a few times before in this podcast that I thought that the Cam slash Mac QB situation was very strange since how completely different they were yeah. as quarterbacks and the decision had to be made sooner rather than later and Mac Jones has had apparently quite a good preseason and I think the transition was going to be made but it's interesting to see they're going to be jumping into, into the deep end in week one. There's no safety net now for him. So if things don't start well for the past, there could be a lot of trouble there. Cam, yeah, I mean, he wasn't particularly productive last season for the Patriots. In many ways, he was the, the thing that was holding them back in certain situations. There were games that they could have won, I think, had they had a better QB, a, a better passing QB. I think this is the end of the road for Cam as a starting Q, quarterback in the NFL. I don't see him ever getting back. I mean, certainly he's never going to get back to where he was five years ago, but I don't think he's even going to get back to the standard that the Patriots were expecting when they signed him. Um, I think he's going to be permanent veteran backup. We will see very little of him in the future. And as he ages and his kind of speed and dynamism goes away, there's not an awful lot left there. He's not a, he's not a great throw of the ball, which for a veteran QB becomes and reading the game, which for a veteran QB becomes more and more important. So I could see this being the beginning of the end for Cam, and it honestly wouldn't surprise me if nobody picked him up and he ended up dropping out of the league. But I imagine enough teams are desperate that he'll get probably some veteran backup, but maybe only for a season. It's the
2: end of what wasn't a very auspicious era for the for the Patriots last year, and when there's a small difference between a veteran and a rookie, you should always favour the rookie.
0: We had a we had a couple of injuries. Uh, some of the big names season enders happened. Uh, Baltimore running back his room is kind of tested J.K. Dobbins. ACL has gone for the season, and Justice Hill has done his Achilles, and he's also gone for the season. All aboard the golf bus there. Jacksonville's running back Travis Etienne has done his foot and he's also gone for the season and Chicago have lost offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins these are quite important pieces Baltimore's run heavy Jacksonville needed the kind of dynamism in the backfield to support the rookie quarterback in Chicago it's basically just waiting until the rookie starts and to put him in with like you know a backup left tackle (laughs) he was
2: supposed to be their left tackle so they they actually cut they actually cut their veteran left tackle Charles Leno to make room for tevin jenkins who was very highly rated in the draft process i think a lot of people thought he was a bit of a sleeper but he did have these pre-existing back issues which obviously now have flared up to such an extent that he's now going to miss the entire season and it, now that looks like quite a foolish move for chicago they obviously have either andy dalton who is the most dynamic or they have a rookie quarterback in justin fields who'll be starting for them and it would be nice to have a even even if charles denner was never like an all pro he was certainly like a borderline like Pro Bowl, workable yeah. kind of guy. And I think they had to sign Jason Peters, who's obviously a fair few innings in at this point. Yeah, a bit of a screw-up by Chicago there overall. And I don't think their cap situation means that they had to make that move. But the more as well, disappointing for people who do fantasy and like exciting play are these two running backs. I think Sean can cover them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big loss for, for the Ravens, especially Dobbins. I mean, the Ravens last season were transitioning towards the end, I got the sense, away from the... Running back by committee towards Dobbins kind of kind of taking the number one slot and being their main guy on the ground. And to lose him is going to set them back a bit. And as I said earlier, I mean, the, the Ravens offense is an awful lot of question marks around it. The fewer pieces that Lamar Jackson has, the more pressure it puts on his shoulders. And we've seen in the past that he maybe isn't the guy to carry the team when they need to be carried. Um, so this is a big loss. It'd be interesting to see the Ravens the first few weeks to see if this offense actually does fire at all and what their solutions are for the various problems they're facing. A
0: couple of other injuries. Minnesota tight Eric Smith is injured in his meniscus. He's out for up to four weeks. So they've picked up Chris Herndon in a trade from the Jets. T.Y. Hilton's injured his neck and he's going to be gone for a month or two. And Indianapolis have also lost Sam Tevy, their offensive tackle for the season. A couple of players were put on the pub list, which means they'll miss six games. Bakhtiari, the left tackle for Green Bay. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, the cornerback for new england and michael thomas the new orleans wide receiver the only one of those published ones that's interesting is there's a lot of talk that the stefan gilmore move is also to do with the contract dispute that they're have ongoing he wants some more money he's not sure about how he's going to when he's going to get to see his his next contract he's got a year left and he reckons he's about 70 percent back from the injury and if new england won't give him any more money he doesn't want to go out play at 70% and then completely tank his value for what will inevitably be his last cornerback contract next year. So keep an eye on that to see if New England give him a bit of money to get him back on the fields immediately or if it continues on any longer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would have some concerns about Gilmore and the Pats going down the line. I think the sense I'm getting, and I, I mean, this is more just to kind of just a. Very vague sense is that I think the front office has kind of fallen out of love with him a bit. I think he has become a little bit too demanding in terms of his wage demands. It's been maybe two years since he's been at the very top of his game. So you'd wonder maybe if the Pats are beginning to think that this guy is on the downward slope and isn't going to be worth the contract. Certainly when he was at his peak, he was amazing. But, I mean, cornerbacks can fall off a cliff very quickly because it's a, it's a, it's a very kind of physical position in terms of athleticism being important. And these are the kind of things that once you lose speed, athleticism, whatever, you, you, you lose a lot of a lot of your game. One interesting
2: lacuna here is that because these guys were on PUP before the season started, coming from their injuries last year mostly, they couldn't go on IR. You can't go on IR for the same thing. You have to come off PUP to go on IR. But ironically, players are being put on IOR right now can return in three weeks, while these pub players can't return for six weeks. So it's kind of an interesting thing that if they had just kind of put them to the side and put them on IOR at some point, they would have actually been better off. But look, back to Gary is a big loss for Green Bay, though there's been like good soundings from Elk and Jenkins being moved to left tackle. And look, Mike Thomas, similar to the Stephan Gilmore well, even more so than the Stephan Gilmore case, that certainly seems like a case where the team and the player haven't been on the same page for a while.
0: There's only other last bit of news, another. Uh say New England quarterback or cornerback who maybe fell out with the been Malcolm Butler is reported to be considering retirement due to personal reasons. If I remember, he's been playing fantastically, has he?
1: No, I mean he's has a special place in my heart because of Super Bowl Forty Nine and the, one of the, the great moments uh, in not only Patriots history but perhaps recent NFL history. Um, but yeah, he's been quite bad for quite. He's been targeted. You, you know, things are getting bad for a cornerback yeah. when they start getting targeted, and he's been targeted for quite a while. Oh,
2: the official reports are that it's for personal reasons. There have been a, like some whispers that he just didn't have the legs anymore in camp and he was really just uh, CB1 or 2 on paper. But we'll probably find out more at some later point. He has a special place in my heart too, but in a bad way.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that lovely note, we'll move on to our premature congratulations. So, here we go. The season's upon us, it's time to pick some awards, look into our crystal balls and predict what's going to happen. We'll kick off with positive awards. We'll say uh, Comeback Player of the Year. There's a lot of candidates for this this year. A lot of players were injured last year, had down years, things like that. And a lot of ones on teams that will get visibility. So I've gone for Christian McCaffrey, probably the best running back in the league, coming off a number of different injuries last year, not being able to do much. I could see him having a massive year and blowing up. The problem being obviously he's a running back. So there's, say, for example, who you pick, fits might have more of a chance and a spotlight given he's in the NFC East.
2: Yeah, it's, it's Dak Prescott, it's America's team, he's obviously coming off one of the most gruesome looking injuries one of the most gruesome injuries that until you get to alex smith levels basically like if he can come back and have the type of season he seemed to be on track for last season like you're talking five thousand yards obviously the extra game that's a lot easier then yeah why wouldn't you give it to the the face of the franchise that america loves to loves or loves to hate
1: depending on where you're from yeah
0: and sean you've also gone for probably getting a lot of tv time if it all comes in comes back together you've gone for the Giants
1: yeah I've gone for Saquon Barkley of the Giants partly again this NFC East thing he's going to be on TV a lot partly also I mean the Giants really have nothing else going on so I mean I think that a lot of the offense will be dumped on his Mm. shoulders I mean it's going to be interesting to see I mean the running back thing is kind of tricky with regards to injuries players can kind of fall off a cliff he said two years kind of lost to injury now after a very explosive rookie season and an ACL tear those things you know they can end up taking in all sports really they can take away athletes abilities um to to be at the level that they were but I want to believe that because the Giants will need him and because he's still quite young I think he'll be back to his explosive best and because he'll be on tv a lot I think he'll definitely uh, get a lot of profile
2: and there's a lot of other guys that were like Carson Wentz, if he had a career revival, maybe. And, uh, I think uh, Bosa is coming back after his injury. Even something like OBJ, so it's a pretty stacked field in terms of uh, guys looking to show that they're still they still got it.
0: Next up, we have a breakout player. So this is just gonna players who we think are gonna really turn it up this year. I've gone slightly homer on this one. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Did well last year. Would have broken a thousand yards if it wasn't for the injury at the tail end. And the Chiefs have massively improved their line. And I would expect because he was good at pass catching in college. but didn't really use him in that last year. That he might get that kind of worked in this season. So that's my one. You've gone back to the Cowboys, Fitz. Yeah, back to the
2: Cowboys. It's all about who's going to get voted for. Who do people love? And and that's uh, love to talk about the Cowboys. So I went C D Lamb. And like this, is, this is kind of one where the expectations might be too high already. So he mightn't be able to get, a, get that breakout. A few leagues of breakout because people are so high on him already. But I think genuinely he could have one of those epic, he's a wide receiver one type seasons in Dallas. So I'm going to say CD Lamb has a chance to be the breakout player for this year.
0: And Sean, you've gone quarterback.
1: Yeah, I've gone for Joe Burrow of the, of the Cincinnati Bengals. He had a very good rookie season up until the injury last year. He's very exciting. I think he'll be back uh, and to that same level of excitement they the Bengals have added a couple of pieces uh Jamar, Jamar Chase for example the, the the rookie that they've drafted looks quite exciting so I think that the Bengals will be quite explosive they're not going to win many games as I said in in the AFC North preview because they're in quite a tough division and not a great schedule but I think he'll he'll look good on on uh red zone basically because I think the breakout player it comes back the the idea of a a promising rookie losing part of his rookie season and then have a great second season is kind of what breakout player tends to be about yeah, so that's what I'll go for That's
0: him. kind of where we've all, we've all gone into that headspace for it anyway uh, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, we've all gone quarterbacks here I've gone Mac Jones Fitz has gone Trevor Lawrence and Sean you've gone Trey Lance look it's nearly always going to be a, a quarterback I went Mac Jones because obviously Belichick is a very smart man and he, he's decided he's happy enough with this guy being the starter and putting it on him he's, 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 he's had other you know Rookie quarterback step in and do cracking jobs for him. Previously, I'll trust that the Belichick kind of knows what he's doing. You yeah. like the the in the clubhouse favorite uh, in advance, yeah. the the first overall.
2: Like I like Trevor Lawrence, and I think Jacksonville will probably need to put up a lot of points because they'll probably be behind a lot. This is such a vote and get, vote of confidence in Trevor Lawrence because obviously, as I've already said this podcast, I don't really believe in Urban Meyer, but I think the guy's so talented, and obviously with the expectation, if he has like a like four four thousand five hundred type yard season, I think he should have a good chance to get this.
1: So I, I've gone for Trey Lance. I mean, originally I had Trevor Lawrence up until maybe five minutes before we started recording, but I decided it was just too obvious to pick. I need to do something a little bit different. And I've been thinking a lot about this 49ers moving up to the third pick in the draft to take this guy Trey Lance, who not a lot of people know about him because he's only he only played like a single game in his, his senior college year. I think the 49ers are going to have a very good season. I think he's going to be the center of that. I think he's going to be pushed to the fore. And I mean, I just... I think there's a lot of variables about Jacksonville that I don't like. The Urban Meyer thing, I don't know, that could blow up pretty quickly so Trevor Lawrence could find himself in a pretty toxic situation whereas you know with the 49ers they've got a good coaching staff they're going to be competitive they're in a very strong league so they are going to be on TV quite a bit and I think Trey Lance will step up on the basis of the, of the fact that the 49ers obviously believe in him in a lot I think he'll step up and be that star that they need.
0: Next up defensive rookie of the year me and Fitz have both gone for Micah Parsons and you've gone for Jamin Davis like for me Fitz and I Parsons is just all the reports are great he's already beat out to we'll say established rather than necessarily top end linebackers at the moment for, for snaps and they're going to be on TV a lot as we said with the NFC East stuff.
2: Yeah, and like look, it's it's a fairly weak rookie class for the top of the end defenders. Like an outside shot here might be GOK from the Browns but uh, I think Parsons obviously once again going with the Cowboys, he'll have a lot of attention on him.
1: I mean, I've, I've decided that the Cowboys can't be trusted to be good is the, is the <laughs> problem with Micah Parsons. So That's I've decided insane. to go for, I, I've gone for Washington's Jameen Davis largely because it's a very exciting, explosive defense, and he's going to be surrounded by a lot of, uh, you know, exciting players. And I think he could be a, a kind of a, a big part of the sacks and the, and the interceptions and such like. I, I think they're going to look very good, and I think he could be a part. He'd be a part of that explosive team, um, which is why uh, I'm going for him because I, I just I think the Cowboys could be mired a little bit, which may cost how good any individual players, especially defensive rookies, might look. Whereas we know the Washington defense is going to be good.
0: A defensive player of the year. You guys have gone for the easy option that's right about 50% of the time. Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah. He is. I've gone for Chris Jones. Very good player. He's now decided this offseason they started playing him not just at tackle but also at a defensive end. I expect to see an awful lot of disruption out of him. And it is that thing sometimes the votes just people have voted for the same person. A lot of times sometimes they look for someone else to come in. And I expect Jones to have a big year this year. MVP. We've all gone for quarterbacks going against the Great, I'm going Josh Allen on this one. I think he had a great season last year and improved himself hugely. If he could make any steps forward at all, he'd be almost a lock in for it. It was just unfortunately ran into Buzzsaw fucking Rogers last year because otherwise, I think he would have he would have been there thereabouts. So yeah, I'm expecting just a, a, good, a good big year out of them. You guys have gone for my boy Patty Mahomes. Yep, it's again Paddy Mahomes he's really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and our, our our traditional top long snapper i'm going to stick to i believe it's been my choice for the last three or four years james winchester the rifle long snapper for the kansas city chiefs i went Fitz. for josh
2: charis he was cut and re-signed and to a certain extent uh, it's kind of out of solidarity because you know a few like a well-known long snapper in in detroit don Mulbach, was uh caught ruthlessly on his 40th birthday so for Josh Harris, at least there was a half ending and we'll get to see him this year. But, uh, you know, solidarity with all the long snappers getting cut because their veteran minimum contract is apparently too much for NFL teams.
1: I've gone for the the, the rookie who's going to explode and change the long snapper game, Cameron Cheeseman of the Washington football team. Mostly because of the name, but also because apparently his... His main actual life plan is to be a dentist and he's undertaken kind of research work in dentistry and he's uh, applying to to the dental admission test. So being a a long snapper is just a a hobby that he's doing until his real career of being the America's best dentist uh, takes off. So I expect him to make a big impact in the NFL. Surely he should be playing for the (laughs) Packers. <laughs> yes, he should be, but uh, they dropped. He went to the sixth round, so the Packers had plenty of opportunities to pick this guy up, so uh, it's their own fault really.
0: So now we move on to our not so good player awards. Uh, the first one is the come their back player, the worst defensive back. Yeah, I've gone for Trey Flowers. He's a
2: Seahawks cornerback and the bane of every Seahawks fan. He basically gives every single receiver like a 20-yard cushion and then allows like a, you know, a easy catch. And I've gone
1: for Eli Apple, maybe a bit of an obscure one of the Cincinnati Bengals. I remember he played about 10 games for the New Orleans Saints, maybe three years ago that year. They were really, really good. And he was brought in kind of mid-season because they lost a couple of people, I think, to injury. And he was just terrible every single time. They got beaten down the field or got beaten in kind of touchdown throw situations. It was always Eli Apple. He was always the guy responsible. I think he had a bit of an injury slash was cut a bit uh, last season, but now he's back with the Bengals. I mean, I don't expect he'll play much. I think he's a backup even on the Bengals. But if he does play, expect him to give up lots of yards and lots of catches.
0: What I'll do for the moment is I'll just put in what my normal response, if I'm not sure, is I'm just going to go with Josh Norman.
2: Like mm. he, he did just literally get signed by the 49ers.
0: So. Tom Cable's most penalty yards prize. Uh, I've gone for Titus Howard. He's the right tackle on Houston. Just expect Houston to be terrible. I Titus Howard, I think they're going to be fucking terrible. And the left side of that line is good. So I'd imagine any opposing defense worth their salt is going to put their pass rushers on that side against Titus Howard instead.
2: Yeah, and uh, I've gone for Pene Sewell, the uh, highly vaunted tackle prospect. The Lions drafted, but apparently he's struggling like with a transition to right tackle. Apparently he's a bit handsy at college. You know, he took a whole year out because of the COVID situation. So, look, it's a boring, it's a boring choice thinking a tackle, but uh, Pinesu would be, if he has this kind of most penalty yards uh, or
1: most penalties, uh, it'll probably be tough uh, off-season for them. I've gone for a bit of an outside-the-box thinking, largely based on some Googling I did. I found a website called nflpenalties.com, which lists every players penalties for the season and i found out a very interesting fact which is that of all the offensive players last season baker mayfield the quarterback for the cleveland browns is actually the most yardage of any offensive player in the (laughs) nfl for penalties and he's got about about 20 yards more the next quarterback and that's only because josh allen got into three unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and for 15 (laughs) yards so baker baker had six I'm trying to remember this, he had six intentional grounding penalties last year and I think the next was like three or four so he's spectacularly penalty prone for a quarterback. So I think just compared to the positional average, I expect him to be head yeah. and shoulders above all the quarterbacks and maybe the, the offensive penalty yard champion uh, once again. Two things.
2: One, okay we got to do standardized scores now, okay whatever. Like, and two, like I don't know if you thought about this but one of the small stories in the preseason has been the extremely onerous implementation of the taunting rules that's probably a good sign for Baker Mayfield and you winning this bet
0: (laughs) that's true that's true and our next one is the Jamarcus Hype Train Crash Award so this is for big hyped up players that are going to uh that are going to crash so I've gone for Kyle Pitts just because I think like there's a strong chance he'll actually be good but it's Drafted fourth overall, meant to be earth-shattering, changes the game entirely. Tight end in an offense that just lost Julio, and uh, is is realistically is is a whisper away from a full rebuild. I could see it just not working out too well, uh, particularly if they start getting behind in games. So yeah, we'll 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 see. It's just more. He's got the hype. He's got the magnet. He's got the, the the magnifying glass over him that uh, that it could all go to shit.
2: Yeah, like I've gone for Jamar Chase. It's an easy pick at the moment because the preseason. Did not go well for him. He had a lot of drops. He is in the bungles. Uh, but the only, you know, I suppose the only good thing for the uh, Bengals in this case is that, in my scenario, Panay Sewell was also crap. So uh, you don't have to feel too bad about necessarily that you picked uh, Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell.
1: I really hope I'm wrong about my one, but I've gone for Mac Jones, the Patriots quarterback, the new Tom Brady. I just think that there is, there's going to be an awful lot of weight on this guy's shoulders He has suddenly seen himself thrust into perhaps the most scrutinized quarterback position in the entire NFL to be the heir to Tom Brady. We don't really know how good this guy is. I mean, Belichick believes in him and his preseason has been good, but I can just see him, you know, under the lights. A couple of games go badly. The, the, The Pats fans have a tendency sometimes to turn on players when they're not going well. So I, I, Pat's fans
0: being awful, never.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They can be intolerant of crapness. So I just hope that he. Yes. I just think he's. It's a shadow. I think the Brady shadow is so immense that he's going to really struggle to get out of it. Not many. Quarterbacks can move out of the shadow of their predecessors when they're that big a name. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind maybe is Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre or Steve Young and Joe Montana. There's an awful lot of names in that graveyard and I do fear that Mac Jones will end up there. But I do say, I do kind of think I'm wrong, but I'm kind of hedging my bets by, by giving him this award as well. Mm,
0: a very fits move there. Uh, our low expectation <laughs> awards, the Sanchise, the most embarrassing moment that'll happen this year. So I've gone for Tyler Huntley starting multiple games as Lamar Jackson catches COVID for the third time.
2: Yeah, I've gone for Tony O'Brien does a thing.
0: I'm... Yeah. Like, what, what thing is... Like,
2: one does not try to predict Antonio Brown, but he will do a thing.
1: I've gone for, I think this season is going to still be very COVID-themed, especially with the anti-vax problem, and the, the, the kind of the epicenter of that problem is the Minnesota Vikings, so my prediction is that Vikings will have to forfeit a game because their entire team and possibly their entire staff as well catches COVID. I think there's going to be a massive outbreak, and it's definitely going to, to cost them at least a game, I think.
0: Next up, we have You Like That, the worst quote of the year. So we'll start with you on this one, Sean.
1: Yeah, so I've gone for Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, who are the NBC commentating crew, at least six times this year, they're going to have to say what a game this NFC East matchup is going to be. The thing is about the NFC East is not just the teams are bad, but the games are actually bad to watch as well. It wouldn't matter so much if there was terrible teams who, you know, got a lot of points and did exciting things out of, you know, someone being slightly better than mediocre. They're just really poor games to watch and they're going to be on prime time because of, you know, capitalism. Uh, And so I, I do feel sometimes for... Michaels and Collins were to have to commentate on his games with the same level of excitement that they do for like a, a Packers-Patriots game. I'm going for still doing my own
2: research, Kirk Cousins in week 18. And it's like <laughs> a, lot, a lot of scientific geniuses in the NFL going, well, I just still I'll do my own research. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're not fucking trained to do that. You wouldn't expect like a scientist to throw off their lab coat, get the cleats on and start tackling like the quarterback. But uh, apparently, yes, yeah, so you are. More qualified to speak on science, Kirk Cousins, than you know the entirety of the world.
0: And I'm going for Jameis Winston to say just something. He's already he's already got a fantastic one, where he was talking to the media and talking about how they have the greatest running back uh, condom in the world in the league, and then realised he was trying to say tandem and had forgotten the word. <laughs> so I'm expecting much more of that out of him and uh, James Winston's going to provide constant enjoyment and finally our Dumpster Fire of the Year this is the team that we think are going to be just terrible and it's all just going to go to shit uh, I've gone for the Lions oh sweet god the Lions
2: I've gone for probably the most depressing Dumpster Fire the Texans slash Deshaun Watson situation which I'm sure to a certain extent we'd all hope would just go away put them into cold storage effectively you know I kind of have a feeling it's going to go all Godfather tree, and it's like just when you think you're out It's going to pull you back in through some trade rumor or Deshaun Watson says something or the Texans do something. This team and this quarterback situation is just so goddamn stupid and so goddamn depressing that uh, you just know it's going to keep coming
1: up no matter how much you want it to go away. Is it really a dumpster fire when everybody knows that's what's going to happen? I mean, the best thing about dumpster fires sometimes is where they just kind of, you're not really expecting them to be a dumpster fire. Because everybody knows the Texans are going to be terrible, and it's going to be an awful situation it, It's it's a classic Ronan Fitzpatrick conservative pick, which is why I've gone for the slightly, the slightly more hipster pick oh, of the Detroit yes. Lions, who are under the radar terrible. They're not they're not kind of headline terrible, but they will pro- they could very well end up going zero and seventeen. and um, if radar? they're not careful. <laughs>
2: 30th to 31st worst team. Okay.
0: I, uh, I I will say that these are the two teams that I believe are in a race to see who can lose 17 games in a season first. Yeah, it's, it, they're, they're both not good. Okay, let's go to the very high expectation awards. A surprise package team. Teams that are going to surprisingly outperform it. Uh, I'm going the opposite of how Sean is. I think the Patriots are going to do surprisingly well. I think a lot of defensive pieces returning from COVID taking last year off. I think... New quarterback, they can work with him. Belichick thinks he's happy with it. Trust Belichick to a certain extent. You know, He's, he's, he's done pretty okay as a head coach. So I think the Patriots... Because realistically, if the Patriots win, what, seven or eight games, it's like, oh, wow, they're really building something here.
2: I'm going for the Washington football team. Because I think like, I like Dallas that. will I have like all the gaudy statistics and Dak will have Comeback Flair and Mika Parsons, whatever. But in terms of winning games, grinding it out, I think the Washington football team has the potential to be a... You know, genuine, not just, oh, the NFC has someone who has to win, but a team that genuinely can contend at the top of the NFC. And with Fitzmagic in the uh, QB chair, could be a really fun, wild ride as well. But it's that defense and that uh, overall talent, which I think is really making me excited to see if this team can live up to that potential.
1: I'm going to go for the LA Chargers, based mostly on the fact that I think Justin Herbert is going to have a very excellent. Year and if it wasn't for the fact that Joe Burrow was injured and and therefore the contrast to last year makes him being the breakout player more likely, I think he's going to have a, a very excellent season. Plus, I mean, I think they they have a, a kind of good pieces all around. Plus, they are, with the exception of the Chiefs, in a pretty weak division, so they'll they'll get up a lot of wins. I mean, Chargers are going to charge, so they they probably won't go too deep in the playoffs or anything crazy like that. But I think for a few weeks they might look like the real deal until something terrible happens.
0: AFC Champions, I've got Cleveland.
1: That's a big call. It's a huge call. (laughs) I I, I want to believe Cotter, I I do, but um I've gone for the conservative Kansas City Chiefs because they're the best I still think they're the best team and it's so hard to stop that offense when they're playing well. I mean they're just transcendental is what they are when they play well.
0: NFC Champions, I've got the Rams I got uh,
1: Green Bay. I've gone for the Rams. Um, I think I think Matt Stafford is the missing link that that team has needed and they'll, they'll go very far.
0: We've gone Super Bowl winners. We've gone AFC across the board. I've gone Believe Land. Come on, Cleveland, take it home.
2: <laughs> and uh, me and Sean going for the very imaginative uh, Chiefs. Fun times, yeah. Connor. I do be... want to
0: live in your world, though.
2: Come on, Cleveland.
0: <laughs> I just, I just got that thing. Like, I did. Th- like, they were very good last year. I think they're going to be better this year. They've overhauled the defense. They've got the weapons there. They've got the run game. It'll uh, uh, it feels like it could be their year. It, it it rests heavily on Mayfield continuing to 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 be like he was last year and improve a little bit. Yeah, no, very exciting. And on those lovely picks, we will move over to some questions from you, the listener. <laughs> Okay, so back to questions. We haven't been doing them for the previews because, well, look, we just couldn't have been arsed, really, and uh, they were fairly busy. We will do a few kind of week one questions that we got in. First up, I'm new to the sport. How do I pick a team uh, or get into watching it? Okay, so the obvious one is just, like, if you want to learn the rules and stuff, Madden is pretty good. If you just play a bit of Madden, you'll pick up a lot of stuff. But generally, I wouldn't go in and just pick a team. I'd probably just watch red zone or go into you know your sports bar and watch a lump of games and see what teams you enjoy watching like do you like the the defences do you like the passing game do you like the running game just like just get a a, a bunch of different flavors, like a sampler, and then just see what you like and then use that to to make a call would be my suggestion. Or you
2: could do the clockwork orange uh, equivalent, which is, you know, just get them a few beers, strap them into a couch and make them watch Red Zone and just see if brain explodes (laughs) and the pure,
1: unadulterated football of it all. One piece of advice that if you are picking a team, I mean, I, I think people like having teams to follow. I mean, the problem with the NFL is the quality of teams changes year to year. You can't really get consistency. But if you are to pick a team, especially if you're on... Our side of the Atlantic, I would say to maybe pick an East Coast team or a team in a Eastern time zone. The Western teams, you may not get to see them very often. Teams like San Francisco and the LA teams tend to play in the middle of the night. Or at least their games, if you have a job, your, their games go into the middle of the night. So, um, yeah, that would that'd be one thing to keep in mind. Uh, I'm very happy about the Pats because they either they're playing in one of the big games that I can kind of just watch in the morning or they're uh, playing at, at the... Six, 6 o'clock kickoff, so they're done by 9.
0: No, that's, that's a good point, actually. I haven't even considered the time zone thing. That's pretty smart. Okay, hopefully that helps. Like I said, I would have gone. I would have suggested Red Zone, but I think it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. At
1: the <laughs> I think it's with the it's
2: clockwork a- orange, like that scene where the eyes I, are you know, peeled on. I, I
1: think it has the excitement. I do think it has the excite. I mean, people probably won't sit for seven hours, but I do think it has the excite. Try and sit for one of the three and a half hour sessions or whatever, the one of the game yeah. slot windows. And I think it is quite exciting, especially at the end of games when there's so many different things happening.
0: Yeah, no, it is very exciting. It's just a bit. Of, it can be a bit of a sensory overload the first time you go at it. Okay, next up, uh, do people find my fantasy team interesting? No, no. they don't. Don't talk despite, about your fantasy team.
2: Despite the fact that I do talk about my fantasy team, uh, I am aware that's a, a problem. Like I have a problem.
0: Like yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it's fine with people who you're in a league with or something hmm. like that, but like. No one, no one wants to know that, oh, Jesus, I was really smart starting Alan Robinson last week over whoever. Like, like just no one cares. Like, <laughs> yeah. And finally, okay, what head coach is the most on the hot seat to start the season? There's quite, you know, there's quite a lot, I think, this year. Like, there's, uh, uh, some of the more obvious ones will be Matt Nagy, Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Taylor, maybe Mike McCarthy and Joe Judge. Those would be, like, the kind of the obvious ones of, haven't really had the success. Mike McCarthy maybe gets an extra year just because Dak was injured last year. Mm. So this is really his first year running at it. But, like, they've got his replacement in-house. They want Kellen Moore to take over at some point.
2: Jerry Jones, during Hard Knocks, is basically like, I'm dying and I demand another Super Bowl (laughs) before I die. And so he's like...
0: Jerry, stop eating fucking burgers five times a day. You I might need live More salt. Longer. More salt. He he was pouring salt onto like his breakfast McMuffins and stuff. You're, like, You're old, man, stop. Stop. Who should be
2: fired? I think Connor, we're probably <laughs> John Gooden.
0: Yeah. John Gruden. John Gruden should have been gone like a season ago.
2: Four years into the ten year super deal and the owner is uh, not that rich, so yeah. More John Gruden for the Raiders, please.
0: And then there's like there's ones that are first years but we're not expecting much out of like we've discussed it like beforehand. Don't like Urban Meyer, we don't think he's gonna fit in. Look, maybe 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 his system will work well, we'll see how it goes, but from a management perspective, he's not been doing the job of a head coach particularly well Dan Campbell is just going to get done for cannibalism for biting kneecaps.
2: so <laughs> and then the, the saddest case Sean of the newbies yeah,
1: uh, yeah David Culley. I. it's it's word, just a clusterfuck the word and Cull is yeah. in his name it's kind of a- <laughs> <laughs> I mean they should just just close down you know the entire team and just give up I think yeah he's going to be a victim of the various mess that is going on so like is, I he, I, might, I, just be, he I, might not deserve it but I don't think he's going to be good enough to save his job so
2: I think Zach Taylor for me is probably the hottest seat but also it's the Bengals so they might just not do it because they're too lazy so I think Matt Nagy for me is the one
0: most likely to get fired he's the he's, he's the most at risk I'd say of them although like I would I would have said Zach Taylor apart from the fact that 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 franchise that just don't like paying money to anyone so like they're gonna just leave them there until they don't owe them any money but yeah so there's plenty actually on the hot seat so a lot of guys will be playing for their continued employment and that brings us to the happiest part of every year let's move on to the picks for week one So first up, Thursday Night Football, the defending Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Dallas Cowboys. We've gone for Tampa Bay across the board and this is Ronan's pick of the week.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a really good opener to the season. You obviously have Tampa Bay. They bring back their entire team from last year. They had a bit of COVID there earlier this week, but I think that will all be sorted out unless something happens. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady, TB times two. King of another city, TB Vice. Uh, but uh, look, like this is a situation <laughs> where I think Tampa Bay will be very good, but they're not better necessarily than they were last year. It's not like they've got a lot of pieces that are going to throw, like, throw up and make them a much better team than they were last year. Um, I think Joe Tryon, they're the rookie, might do some stuff. But like, look at this is Lily that theme. Whereas with the Dallas Cowboys, the variance that you have in terms of where they might end up is incredibly high. Like some people can look at them and see a team that's a potential Super Bowl contender because they have Dak Prescott, they have Zeke, they have three of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and their defense has so much changeover and they got a you know, big, shiny new D C in Dan Quinn, that if that works out, then this is a team that could, you know, be seen as a a genuine beat-you-down, fun, one of the most exciting teams to watch. And I'm sure for all our hopes, we at least hope that the Cowboys are watchable because they're going to be you know, the only game <laughs> on for a lot of the season. But on the other hand, the Dallas Cowboys could be an absolute trash fire wouldn't exactly surprise me if that happened by by any extension so you know from that perspective if they absolutely got annihilated by tampa bay buccaneers it wouldn't be that sad because also it's Dallas cowboys so seeing them being sad isn't really that much of a big deal either way this should lead to lots of overreactions lots of you know back and forth in the media and as an opener before we get to the real meat of sunday i don't really have a problem with that so yeah A nice little opener here for Tampa Bay. Let's see if they're who we think they are. And let's see who the Dallas
0: Cowboys actually are. Of course. uh, Next up, Seattle at Indianapolis. We've gone for Seattle across the board. This should be an interesting enough matchup to see uh, Seattle, obviously, new offensive coordinator. What's their offense going to look like? Will it be a vanilla version of that scheme or will it be kind of taking elements from previously? Will they let Russ cook or will they lean on the ground game and uh, what that defense will look like? Indianapolis obviously brought in Carson Wentz. He's gonna be back in time for this game. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits in here. This is, we've always said this, Indianapolis, top bottom, has a fairly good roster but they always feel like they're missing just a little bit of a spark, and I don't see that coming for Wentz. But it'll be interesting to see how how they do. They're at home. They've got a decent defense there. I just, I just I don't see that offense being able to keep pace with Seattle, because I imagine Seattle are going to want to showcase some stuff to make sure Russ is happy. So we're all Seattle across the board on that one.
2: Seems like a game that could be quite grindy, probably not one that you'll be setting your... Uh vcr for so yeah but like people still have VCRs. <laughs> but like look like as a seattle fan i'm not exactly looking forward to this myself but look i think that defense in apples will keep this close and uh both these teams in theory should be playoff relevant deeper into the season so it's one to keep an eye on see where they're going
0: next up jacksonville at houston We've all gone for jacksonville. <laughs> god sean this is a this is a shit show of a of a, of a match
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the Texans are a total clusterfuck and we expect them to be a total clusterfuck for the entire season. The most interesting thing about about this game is the beginning of the Trevor Lawrence experience. How does he adjust? Mm. Probably good for him to be on the road because playing in front of a half-empty stadium uh, is not going to be an enjoyable experience for him, I imagine. I would say that because of what the Texans are just terrible all around and Lawrence will probably try and show off a bit in the first game, I expect the Jags to, to win this one. But yeah, it won't be pretty other than Potentially, what Lawrence does.
2: This is the one game where if Jacksonville lose, it'll be like, wait, what? They're that bad. Um, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. it's true. It's
2: it's it's, it's quite it's quite it's quite a risky one for your opener. Yeah, like know. literally any other game they lose, except for the other Texans game. People are like, well, you know, first year, etc. But if they lose to the Texans in day one. Uh, there's going to be some Urban Meyer hate spreading to the rest of the Cognoscenti out there.
0: Next up, Philly at Atlanta. Me and Fitz have gone for Atlanta and Sean's gone for Philly. Ronan?
2: Yeah, like, look, I think Atlanta, they're a rebuilding team. Philly are also a rebuilding team, so it's very hard to kind of see where they're going. But I kind of trust that Matt Ryan, that situation is a bit more stable and that, they, that they're kind of building something. with. Whereas with Philly, it just kind of feels like they're... It's a bit more negative, I think, because they're kind of in a semi-rebuild. It's just kind of a situation with Jalen Hurts that's going to be a lot of pressure in week one. So, yeah, Atlanta in a probably not very interesting
0: game. Anything Philly you want to live?
1: say on Philly? I just, don't, I just don't think the Falcons have anything going for them anymore, especially with Julio Jones gone. they really, there's not much of a team left there in, a, in an offensive sense. And I, I think, Jaylen, I mean, I have Jalen Hurts in my fantasy, uh, one of my fantasy leagues, so I'm kind of married to him for a while in terms of him being good at least for the first few weeks so yeah I want to I want to believe in that I want to believe in the hurt side
0: you're you're maybe to watch here will just be the the debut of Kyle Pitts and see how that works into the offense and see what's moved around Chargers at the Washington football team me and Sean have gone for the Chargers and Fitz has gone for Washington this should be a rather exciting game to be honest both yeah. teams have good rosters Chargers have Harvard all that off and they've got like both back from injuries they've got nice pieces Washington have Fitzmagic Terry McLaren like we should have some explosive offence and they've just got like I think you mentioned it earlier Sean that's just incredible incredible young defense that line that's just going to be wrecking shit i i was close to taking washington particularly because they're at home and it's a bit of a travel for the chargers but it's one of those ones that i think herbert they're going to want to put on a big show with this whole like to avoid the sophomore slump discussions and he knows his receivers and stuff. fitzmagic is great crack but this is his first game with the new team he'll need to probably adjust to a few things ronan you've gone for washington Uh, anything you want to add
2: Yeah, like just like Washington have one of the best defenses in the league on paper going into the season. I think Fitzmagic is going to be fun. And I think this is like sneaky, probably one of the best games of this week. I think... Like, I, like, there's a chance it could turn into an absolute score fest. There's a chance this could turn into one of the most like dominant defensive showdowns of the season. Because with like, obviously, we know with the Washington defense, we talked a lot about the preview. But with the Chargers, they're getting Bosa back, they're getting Derwin James back. That could be a defense that makes a huge leap from last year. So this mm-hmm. is one of those. This is one of those genuinely like, te- like one of those genuine games where like either team in 2015 could win this and. Uh, I think it's really exciting to see where these two teams are going this season. I think regardless of the result, I think both these teams have upside for the rest of the season. But yeah, just a lot of an intrigue about these two teams and uh, I'm excited to see where they go in week one.
0: Big time, big time. Next up, we have Pittsburgh at Buffalo. We've gone for Buffalo across the board. Sean, do you want to tell us about this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting season for both of these teams. Buffalo obviously came up just short um, against the Chiefs in the AFC last year, and I mean, expectation now is, is going to be around what Allen can do, and, and can he can they continue on with that hype? And and you know, you got to believe that they're still the strongest team in the AFC East, et cetera, et cetera. Pittsburgh, obviously, the the questions mark over about how long Ben can continue to play, and. Was the team is the team that started 11? 0 no, or the team that ended up losing whatever six of their last seven games, uh, which is which is the real Pittsburgh and um, how they go forward. So I mean I, I think the Bills probably still have enough. I, I think they're they're a good enough team to win this game, and I just I don't really buy the Steelers. I think they're on their way down, but they do have some explosive pieces at uh, Chase Claypool etc So it could be a good game. Uh, maybe the Bills will finally break out a run game, uh, although I wouldn't uh, hold, my, uh, hold my hat for it uh, with any kind of great expectation.
0: It's one of those ones that like Pittsburgh are a big question mark of. I reckon they may have the worst offensive line and no one knows whether Ben Roethlisberger can still throw the ball. So it's, it's going to be a lot to see in that one. Next up, Sam Fran at Detroit. Uh, we've gone for Sam Fran across the board. Uh, we might just, like, if these if these first week or two just go the way we expect, we might just stop reporting on Detroit games.
2: I think Jimmy G will will start this game based on what I've seen. and I know Trey Lance has a finger issue, so... Probably Jimmy G, but against Detroit, it's probably more than enough. Um, I think the only intrigue here is if Trey Lance gets any time at all, either in garbage time or as a change of pace quarterback. Detroit is like the Jared Goff show on offense, uh, and the defense is pretty meh as well. So yeah not much here to, to hope for for Detroit fans but hey you never know it's week
0: one of course uh, next up Minnesota at Cincinnati me and Sean have gone from Cincinnati and Fitz has gone for Minnesota we've got Cincinnati coming back they've got Burrow back they've brought a Jamar Chase they've got weapons from beforehand mixing the only big problem is that they haven't really done as much as I'd like to see on fixing the line issues they had and they have some okay pieces on defense but nothing to write home about. Minnesota have the internal problem of Kirk Cousins is their quarterback and in that situation your expectations are capped. This is a Coin flip game for them because this is a Cincinnati team that we don't know whether to expect them to be a winning team or not, and we all know from previous experience that Minnesota Vikings outcomes are decided on whether they're playing a winning team or not. So I'm reckoning that they're going to drop this one since they are at home. It's a big pressure year for their head coach. Minnesota, like we said, COVID issues, disquiet in the locker room. Like I'm not sure I trust this Minnesota team, but like they do have very talented players. They got Justin Jefferson. They've got got a lot of pieces that would excite. I'm expecting to see some fireworks from the Cincinnati passing game. Uh, Fitz, you went for Minnesota. Anything you want to
2: add? I think it's more a vote against Cincinnati. Just everything that's come out of the preseason has not given me any faith. I think if you asked me this three months ago, I probably would have picked Cincinnati. But I don't know. Sometimes the signals from preseason are so bad, you just kind of have to go with your gut and say that something wrong is going with that current management structure. So Mm. I'm going to pick Minnesota because they're just a much more boring... Solid team for better or worse. Uh, mostly worse, yeah. uh, according to this podcast,
1: especially Sean.
0: Jets of Carolina. Me and Sean have gone for the Jets, and Fitz has gone for Carolina. Sean, you want to tell us about this one?
1: Yeah, the Sam Darnold Bowl. It's, it's yeah. going to be Revenge a crash game.
0: But- Wait, don't win. <laughs> don't win. You get Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, no, I mean, a lot of interesting things are, I mean, it, not two, not very talented teams, but a lot of interesting kind of storylines. Obviously, you've got Darnold starting off at the Panthers. I think they have a good kind of coaching course. It'll be interesting to see how good they are. On the other side, you have the Jets with Robert Sala coming in, the Zach Wilson, the, the rookie QB. Are they... T- Still the worst team in the league or have teams sufficiently become worse than them that they don't have to worry about that anymore. How many games will they actually manage to win? So I think it'll be interesting, not in terms of the quality, but in terms of the the kind of the interesting personalities and such like coming out of it. I've gone for the the Jets to win because I believe Salah is a very good quarterback and will find a way to win. But I can see it going either way. I think both these teams are fairly evenly matched. And if Darnold finally, after whatever, three, four years, finally starts to live up to the hype, then who knows how far this Panthers team can go.
2: Yeah, like, I'm kind of like from the Panthers. I think, you know, they they didn't quite become the packet top like surprise package team, but... I think they have the capacity to genuinely be a pretty good team this year. to get CMC back. I like a lot of players in their defense. So it really just comes down to is Sam Darnold a complete and bust or was he simply just covered in the veil of Adam Gaisness? If Sam Darnold's even an average quarterback, then I would give him a chance against the New York Jets team that is really, really just at the very bottom of a rebuild. Look, if Sam Darnold's yeah. as bad as he was not Jets, then that gives the Jets a chance.
0: Uh, Look, CMC is there, and he is basically an offense unto himself. Uh, We'll see Salah with his defensive background. Can he try and scheme some stuff out? You'd also imagine that the team would know what type of weaknesses to pick on at Darnold's, but as you said, players under Gates tend to be significantly better when they're not under Gates anymore. Arizona, Tennessee. We've gone for Tennessee across the board. Roland?
2: Yeah, like this almost feels like a a bizarro version of the uh, Chargers-Washington game we talked about earlier. Uh, simply because like there's every reason in the world to be hyped about both these teams they both make huge moves obviously Tennessee traded for Julio Jones they still got Derrick Henry A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill has shown that if he's not playing for Adam Gates, he's a pretty good quarterback and the defense has had a lot of turnover we'll see if they can finally Mike Vrabel can finally turn out to something worthwhile whereas at Arizona you know they sign guys like J.J. Watt A.J. Green I suppose and do lots of other stuff like that uh, and, you know, so, you know, in theory, they could be a better team and certainly the defense could be better again. But strangely, both these teams don't really feel like there's that much excitement about either of them. So uh, I think we're going for Tennessee because when you look at that top, like first 11 on both sides of the ball, you would probably take them in that situation. But, like, in yeah. theory, Kyler Murray, <coughs> you know, the Clifton, the offense, offense, J.J. Watt on the defense, that defense should, should be better, but... Uh, yeah, I think Tennessee, at least in week one, when everyone's healthy, I think you have to take them. But uh, yeah, this is a game I, I feel like I should be more excited for, but I, I just simply haven't.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that actually as I'm getting closer to it, that like Tennessee on paper should be a really exciting team to watch, but I'm not feeling it, and I don't know what it is. And I suppose there's also that risk of uh, Henry tends to... Kind of progress into himself throughout the season rather than the inverse of every other running back does. So we'll see if he can hit the ground running. Next up is my pick of the week, Cleveland at Kansas City. We've all gone for Kansas City in this game. This is just a fantastic, fantastic matchup. It's going to be really exciting to see. This is a Cleveland team that really started coming together last year. They've got back Odell Beckham. They've got Chubb and Hunt healthy they've done a lot of turnover on the defense to try and uh, to try and rectify that but they do still have some good pieces like well, as guard stuff from beforehand uh, Kansas City look the offense is what it is it's incredibly explosive I discussed it uh, earlier in our, in our awards section but I expect to see like things to look watching this one is the fight for the wide receiver two spot where there's a lot of talk about Pringle pushing his way into the team which would be quite fun to see if that happens. The big one, I think, will be to watch the Kansas City defense. There's been a lot of movements around it. Now, they've got an injury to linebacker Willie Gay, which might impact it. It means we'd probably see some more rotational linebackers that we wouldn't want to be playing against this good a run game. But with Chris Jones being able to move all over the shop, some additions to that uh, defensive line and a cornerback and safety group that has uh, quietly become very good. I would expect to see quite a good performance out of them and a lot of pressure coming at Baker Mayfield. I think Cleveland will be looking at this as a great chance to take a shot at... KC, and I think they'll probably learn a lot in it. I think it's just, it should be a very exciting game on both sides of the ball. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite excited for it.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah. A ma- amazing that we could have a week one game where the, the seeding, the first overall seed in the AFC could be decided in the first game, which is uh, yeah. very exciting. Because I think these are the two, two of the three, per- well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I probably am not as big into the Cleveland hype as you are, Connor. but it, it, there is an argument to say that they are one of the top three teams in the AFC, but behind mm-hmm. the Chiefs and the Bills, or at least has the potential to be there. Yeah. So it could be a very interesting game to see exactly where these two teams are uh, in terms of, of the the season they've come out of, and obviously it's a grudge match because of the the epic playoff game that they they had uh, last season as well. So yeah, yeah, a lot of but, points but to that prove. Game where they sides of the that ball. game
0: where they nearly beat our backup quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting time <laughs> this is this is this is actually uh, in a bizarre kind of you know cyclical thing this is literally what my prediction for the AFC Championship game is Cleveland at Kansas City so it will be funny if we top and tail the AFC season with that next up Miami at New England this is your boys Sean they're at home though so they might not
1: lose yeah, I, I was tempted to make this my pick of the week, but I decided to go for a different game instead. I mean, I am interested in this game. Obviously, it's the, the, the Cam experiment is over, and now Belichick has got his Brady clone. And there are Pats fans who are kind of hoping that last season was a nightmare that has finally ended. The defense is coming back, or the important pieces of the defense are coming back. There's a lot of reasons to be positive in the Patriots, but... Last season was a bit of a clusterfuck, so you do kind of have to wonder how much things have carried over. They're at home and the Dolphins tend not to play very well in Foxborough. They tend to to beat the Pats on their home turf, but tend not to play very well in Foxborough obviously with the Dolphins you've got things like it's Tua's second season there's no Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of take over the the difficult bits anymore so it's kind of all on his shoulders interesting to see how these go there's also some I mean there is the the rookie Jalen Phillips who I believe there's some kind of hype about in terms of how good he could be as an outside linebacker and such like. So again, it's one of those games where there's a lot of interesting things to look at. And we don't really know how good either these two teams are, particularly the Pats. I think there's a lot of question marks over, is the Pats was last season an outlier or is the the previous 20 years, that era, finally over? And I think we'll begin to get... just to that, um, I go for the Pats because they're my team and they're at home, and I want to believe in Belichick. But as I said in my in the awards um, thing, I don't know about Mac Jones. I'm not convinced yet that he's the answer that everyone's looking for.
0: Yeah, and we've all gone for New England in that one. It'll be fun to see what the defense looks like with all those returning players. Next up, Denver at the Giants. Uh, me and Sean have gone for the Giants, and Fitz has gone for Denver. He's loving that Teddy Bridgewater hype.
2: <laughs> Look, this is going to be an attritional game for the players. It's going no, game just say, let's to just watch. say it honestly,
0: Ronan. This is going to be a shit game.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically. i like, I'm basically picking Denver because I know what I'm getting in Teddy Bridgewater. I'm getting solid football. Won't turn the ball over too much. will make the best of his weapons, like Noah Font and Jerry Judy, and get the ball to them uh, quickly and efficiently. Whereas with uh, young Danny Dimes, the amount of turnovers is ridiculous. We talked about that, like one a game. Um, and then like one every two, like one a game in terms of fumbles and then half of those end up getting picked up by the other team and I just can't trust Danny Dimes right now Um, but overall like they both have pretty good defences, they both have lots of talent around their quarterback and so if, from my opinion it's just like I know Teddy can do something with that, I don't know if Danny can do it.
0: Yeah, I don't think Denver are going to be very good. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. think the Giants are going to be massively <laughs> good either. The most, like Saquon Barkley if he's healthy, will be a huge impact on this game. This is like the make or break season for the Giants' quarterback. So we'll see. They've bought in some weapons. Hopefully, it'll do something. Like Denver are on the road. They've got nothing really at the quarterback position. Their defense is old and not as good as it once was. It's just a shit game. Next up is Green Bay at New Orleans. Uh, we've all gone for. Green Bay, yeah. Look, we're expecting semi angry Aaron Rodgers. At least they reworked the contract to let him get out of it next year. But uh, he's probably still going to want to show off how good he is, get himself paid after this contract. They've got the weapons. He's missing a left tackle, uh, but this is a New Orleans team that, like, I'm really intrigued to see what Jameis Winston looks like. He's had a year in the system to get used to it. He's had LASIK, so he maybe won't throw as many interceptions. But they've also got problems at wide receiver because Thomas is out. I think another one of their chaps has got an injury as well. So they're they're, they're, they're rocking kind of some backups there. They'll be heavily dependent on the run game. And I'm just not sure how that plays. I don't, I, I, I don't see how they gain an advantage here that's going to let them exploit Green Bay because I think Green Bay... Are going to be able to score fairly easily here like new orleans have an okay defense but green bay have stacked wide receiver quarterback good tight end good line good running back like it's it, i I just don't see new orleans being able to stop them
2: yeah like green bay we know who they are they haven't really changed that much after the aaron roger situation got sorted and uh, new orleans are just a complete unknown um, If New Orleans manage to win, then get all aboard the Jameis Winston hype train, but I don't really see that happening, to be honest.
1: Yeah, we just don't know about the Saints at all. I mean, we don't really know how Aaron Rodgers is going to fit back into this team either, but we ex- I expect that he will perform, whereas what what performance for Jameis Winston means is anybody's guess, really.
0: Next up, Chicago at the LA Rams. Uh, we've gone for Rams across the board, and this is Sean's Game of the Week. Interesting choice.
1: Yeah, I mean, mostly because I want to watch the Rams. I want to see how good they are. I mean, they've got talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, They've got the quarterback that they've been looking for, for since this project began four or five years ago. They've got one of the best coaches in the game in Sean McVay. There's an awful lot of reasons to really like the Rams. And this is our first look at what this new team is going to look like. They're going to be on Sunday Night Football prime time. They're going to be hyped. They're going to kind of bring their A game. We might see Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, all of them bringing their kind of, their kind of big moves. So it could be a crushing victory for the Rams. And if they don't, I guess, dominate, then that adds its own questions. On the other side, I mean, obviously it would be a lot more interesting if the Bears were playing Justin Fields, a quarterback. It would be interesting to see how he works out. Um, you have to imagine he's a long-term solution at, at the Bears quarterback. but I mean Andy Dalton is, is nobody's answer to, is an answer to a question that nobody asked. So I mean it, it's going to be question questionable about that. But the Bears, they have a decent defense. their defense was top 10 last year. They have the ability to grind teams down. I remember the game against the books. Kind of maybe week six, week seven last season, where they just they just kind of grinded the the books down and got the win. So you never know if the Rams if the Rams bubble bursts and their fans. One of the big things about the Rams is there aren't actually not a lot of Rams fans in L. A. They tend to be um, 49ers fans more than anything else. So you don't tend to get very kind of passionate crowds. So. You could get a kind of, uh, you know, fair weather fans coming in to watch this new exciting Rams team. And if things don't start going well, they could turn against them pretty quickly, which could be interesting to see. So, I mean, a lot of interesting storylines here, but I would expect the Rams to be comfortable victors. And if they're not, then their questions will have, start, have to start to be asked.
0: I got a feeling missing a left tackle and coming up against Aaron Donald, this is more red rifle being used as a sacrificial lamb to save uh, to save their future quarterback from that. Uh, from injury and disgrace to kick off his season next up baltimore at the last vegas raiders we've gone for baltimore across the board running
2: yep baltimore are a good team and the vegas raiders are a <laughs> meaty poker team that's basically the, the, the sum of the analysis but it's interesting i think you know it'll be interesting if baltimore have brought in new wrinkles to their offense we saw at the start of last year probably even like the first half of the year that they tried a lot of new stuff didn't really go as well as they hoped and then they end up reverting to something that was much closer to their uh, MVP season for Lamar so be interesting to see if they have drop back stuff like that see what they're kind of bringing out and if there's a big drop off now that they're relying on like uh, Gus Edwards and some rookies or some veterans to kind of fill in the running back rotation and yeah it'll be kind of interesting and then obviously they made some changes at defensive end well at a bad rusher so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get any pressure on Derek Carr but like on the Raiders side like this just seems, seems like a team that's just circling the mediocre world under John Gruden like Derek Carr is fine he's, he's okay he wasn't the problem last year but you know they're relying on Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards to be breakouts Um, they got rid of John Brown the only veteran they kind of picked up this offseason on the offense they have a completely new offensive line Um, their defense is stuffed full of people who are picked way higher than expected and who have more or less universally underperformed where they were drafted if not perhaps where they should have been drafted so with Vegas against a good team like Baltimore you just have to go with the safe hardball wins games Baltimore outfit but uh, look Vegas at home we saw that occasionally they can do some spicy things remember their win against Kansas City last year we know that when they're in games that they're the underdog they can't get up for it but yeah I'm not willing to put my bet on that in these previews
0: Yeah it's an interesting because I think if Baltimore were telling the truth with the plan of doing more from under centre and doing more in the passing game this is a perfect team to open against like their back end is Trayvon Mullen Jonathan Abrams Trevor Morig and Casey Hayward like it's it's a very passable on team Um, so I think the way as you say the way they come out the way they show what wrinkles they want to put into this offense this is the spot to do what they've said they were going to do so if they don't do it now it'll be quite telling
2: do something Vegas let's see if you would actually sustain an entire season of being good it's all part
1: of John Gruden's master plan he's been waiting four years for this moment to finally show everyone that he's actually a good head coach And hasn't forgotten.
0: Well, this is the thing. I presume John Gruden is just hanging around hoping that they'll trade him to a Super Bowl winning roster again,
2: right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Why did you you sign that 10 year contract? Why'd you give him a 10 year contract, Vegas? I just
0: don't know. They just just thought his uh, his Gruden QB camps were just so compelling.
2: Yeah, like, I can uh, imagine it's like. It's like because they were in the process of moving, it's like, we were going through a lot of changes at the time, you know, we were just making a lot of, you know, ill-advised decisions.
0: But. <laughs> Sorry, Vegas fans. Oh, well. Um, yeah, very good. So, any crack yourselves, lads? what's the plans for the for the next week? Well, Not much.
1: I mean, the soccer-wise, the Irish soccer team are playing a game tonight, and uh, they're pretty uh, terrible uh, these days, so I don't really know if I want to watch it. They couldn't even beat Azerbaijan, who are about as good as football, as you would expect them to be, uh, last at the weekend, so... It's it's a pretty grim time to be an, an Irish football fan. Um, but they nearly really drew Portugal it. if the
0: ref wasn't a bastard.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting. They did kind of play really well against against Portugal, but a lot of that was because they're away from home and could defend a lot and could play kind of counter attack when they're asked to play football against teams, which is what the manager Stephen Kenny has been brought in to do. They actually don't seem to be able to do it whatsoever in transition or in a rebuilding phase, as we might you say in, in NFL terms, but. Uh, how much time stephen kenny will actually get is is a is a another question entirely
0: very good i am yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work out i'm probably trying to figure out whether to go to sleep and then get up for the thursday night game or to kind of get it recorded and then just get up early and watch it early on in the morning but uh i think it's definitely gonna it's a good matchup so i'm gonna look forward to that and then we've also mm-hmm. got, we've got the the all irelands on saturday oh yeah so that'll be fun oh, yeah. mayo, go
1: on, mayo once again Mayo versus Tyrone, exciting times. If, they, if Mayo don't win this one, they may as well just give up on being a GAG. <laughs> this, this is the curse is real. If they can't, after all that's happened, if they can't win this one, yeah, they they, they just become the bills of the uh, GAG. <laughs>
0: It's been a tough road for them. But yeah, no, apart from that, nothing too wild or crazy, so go watch that, and then I must see about what... See if I make a plan for the old uh, the old Sunday NFL being back on. Be nice. Yeah, oh, and myself and Fitz have decided we're going to go over to one of the London games, so that should be fun. You're welcome to come along if you want, It'd
1: Be very... Uh... Which one are you going to? Uh, We're going to go to the Jags, (laughs) Miami. Yeah,
0: because we're going to see Trevor Lawrence and
1: we're going to see Tua. Uh, That should be good, actually. actually. Which is
2: kind of like a a London fan-off because obviously Jacksonville is the team that keep trying to make the London team. But Miami (laughs) apparently is the team that has a surprising number of uh, English fans. Yeah, what it was all... It's Dan Marino, man. Dan
1: Marino, yeah.
0: Than arranging that, so that should be a bit of crack. Just a you know nice nice weekend away. Now that we're all double vaxxed and all that kind of stuff, and hopefully, England doesn't completely descend into chaos before then. But uh, it could do. But yeah, no, uh, that's good. So as always, I suppose uh, firing questions if you want to the Twitter account or to the, the uh, email address or whatever, Facebook, and uh, Facebook as well. Yeah, is uh, probably a better source to get us on. Yeah, so I suppose. That's it for for this week. Football's back. I'm just very excited. Uh, It's bye from myself. Bye from Roman. Bye. Bye from John. Bye.